okay, so we weren't actually Boy Scouts. Uh, it was just a group of friends. And it wasn't really in the Grand Canyon. It was in the Sipsi Wilderness. And we didn't almost die, but it was strenuous. Uh, and it wasn't hot, uh, but it was frustrating. Uh, I, I had this uh, camping trip that I took with some friends last fall up at the Bankhead National Forest, and I had it timed out perfectly that we would arrive before dark and set our camp up and all of that. Uh, the only thing is, I miscalculated, so uh, disclaimer, don't ever go camping with me. Uh, so we went backpacking, we're hiking in the National Forest, the Sipsi Wilderness, we're hiking, hiking, hiking. They keep asking me, where's this campsite? It's just over the next hill. It turns dark, we're now hiking in the dark. And I don't know if you've ever been in the woods in the dark, there's no sidewalks, there's no street lights. There's no, you know, uh, cell service. There's nothing. We got our headlamps on. We're walking in the pitch black dark. Can't see your hand in front of your face unless you had your flashlight out. 30 minutes after dark, we've now hiked nearly six miles. And 30 minutes into dark, we finally find the golden campsite I've been pushing the group to find. We get there, and there's about 15 people camping at it, and we can't camp at it. So one of the guys that was with us who actually knew what he was doing said, uh, why, don't you, why don't we turn the corner and just go up into the canyon and probably all the sights are gone, but let's try it. So we hiked 20 more minutes deep into the canyon in the Sipsi Wilderness there. We uh, finally find a spot. It's beautiful. You know, it, it's right there by the creek. We put all our stuff out uh, and we finally make it. So I don't know if you've been counting, but we're two miles hiking in the dark now, up and down hills and valleys and twisted ankles and uh, big heavy backpacks, and um, I couldn't figure out what went wrong, and uh, finally it dawned on me the time that I had taken that trail before was uh, after time change, so we had an extra hour longer daylight. And so day dark had set in on us an hour earlier. Uh, needless to say, things were a little chippy that night at camp. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends. I wouldn't write a book on how to win friends or influence people. Uh, but the next day was beautiful. Uh, we got up, um, and we're hiking out. And we're staying another night, and there's a storm that's supposed to come in. So we're trying to make it to this hunting cabin that's uh, out in the Sipsi Wilderness. It's supposed to be there. It's not on a trail. There's no signs to it. You just kind of kind of take other people's readings and sort of walk that way and kind of find it if you can. Uh, so we're, we're trying to get there because the storm's coming in, and we need shelter. So we're looking for it, and best I can figure, it's up this mountain that's about like that. That's about the only way I can think of to get to it. So... You know, we do the only reasonable thing. We send a teenager to the top because there's no way any of us can make it. So they go up there and they're yelling back, hey, it's up here. So uh, there we are uh, climbing up. They finally see this little, this little gap in the uh, ridge line. And we're up climbing up this steep hill. And all I can describe is like a leaf avalanche. It's sliding down like a, a slide at a water park. Everything's just coming off the top of the hill down this slide. But as I look down, I realize it's as dangerous to go back as it is to go on. So I decide I'm just going to keep going on. So there we are. I'm, uh, by this point, on my stomach, bear crawling up this mountain. We call it Bear Mountain. And uh, I got this backpack that weighs, you know, 35 pounds on my back. I'm crawling up it, and my 12-year-old son's in front of me. We're thinking if we could just make it over this ridge line, we'll get to this cabin. So we're scaling it, you know, like some kind of cat. And uh, I'm following in right behind him so close, partly out of fatigue, because I figure if I just keep moving, I won't die. Partly out of fear, because I, I think any minute, if I stop, I'm going to slide down to the bottom. So I'm scaling this thing with him, and uh, just as he goes up, this large branch catches the side of his backpack. And uh, it, 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 the tension on it starts to pull tight. 
And just as the branch breaks free from his backpack, I look up and it stripes me right across the nose. And so my nose is now bleeding with leaves stuck to it. If you get really close to my face, I now have a permanent scar right there across the end of my nose where this branch just filleted me open. So we're going to the top of the hill. We finally see the cabin. You know, yes, we, ha- we see this cabin, but we look at it, and cabin is uh, an overstatement. I mean, it is this old, dilapidated block building with a hole in the roof. The rain just pours straight in. They're, they're alive or dead. I can't tell the difference. Spiders balled up in the corner the size of a, a man's fist hanging off stuff. You know, th- this looks like a... Creepy's not the right word. This is way past that. We all look at each other and go, if our group was one person smaller, nobody's going in. I mean, there's no way we're going into that place. But the storm's coming. We've got to find shelter. So we get inside, and the wind starts to pick up in the night, and this old creepy cabin is creaking and making noise, and it's got this huge rusted-out windmill that one of the blades had almost fallen off, and that thing's clanging in the wind all night long. And when the last flashlight goes out and you can't see your hand in front of your face and you're laying there in that noisy, creepy, creaky cabin wondering what's going to happen next, it's a, it's a really uh, frustrating thing. Now, we've left, left the National Forest and we're actually on private property. And we're mostly sure we're supposed to be there. You ever done one of those? We think probably it's okay for us to sort of be there. And just about the time I'm about to drift off to sleep, my, my 16-year-old son sits up in a straight panic like a vampire coming out of a coffin. And he screams, Ah! And, and, and I could just feel my heart rate going up. And he says, I see car headlights. And I'm thinking, wow. All I can think of is deliverance. I'm thinking, ding, 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 ding. We have done taking somebody's cabin we ought not be in. You know what I'm saying? And he sits up, and I'm thinking he's dreaming, he's not awake. I roll over and look, his face is glowing with a light on it. My heart rate shoots up to about 3,000 beats per minute, and I'm thinking, that's it. Guys are breaking in in overalls and a sickle, and they're going to kill us. We're all going to die. This is the end of it. And what had happened, fortunately, is the wind had hit the embers from the fire outside, and it flared up a big light that shined through the window on his face so we didn't die. Well, obviously, if that was stating the obvious. So to let you know the caliber of adventure that this was, my I shouldn't be alive moment, to let you know the caliber of it, uh, we're sitting around the campfire that night, and one of the dads looks at me and he says, Hey, be honest with me. You just drug us out here to get a good sermon illustration. And I said, It is what it is. (laughs) So... This is kind of how the TV show goes, but like a lot worse. Today we're starting a new series we're just calling I Shouldn't Be Alive because we're talking about things that should not be, but they are. So when you see something that should not be, should not be true, but it is true, then you realize there's something at work, there's a force at work that we don't understand. I remember the first time I saw a helium balloon fly, and all I could think is that can't be possible because balloons don't fly. Except it floated away into the sky until it was a little dot, then it was gone. And then I realized there's a force at work that I didn't understand. When you see metal stick to a magnet the first time, you say... That, that ought not, there's no glue there, there's no tape, 
that ought not to be happening. But you realize there's a principle at work that maybe you don't understand. In the same way, as a pastor, I've done a lot of funerals. And I've never seen anybody sit up in the coffin in the middle of the funeral and come back to life from the dead. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus did. He walked out of that tomb. He walked out of that grave. The stone was rolled over it. It was sealed. There were soldiers guarding it. But he left his grave clothes there. He walked out and he was risen. He was alive. He defied death in the grave. Now when you see that, you have to say, there's a force at work maybe I don't understand. Because things that ought not to be happening are happening. So the Bible calls that force resurrection. Now today we've gathered to celebrate Jesus' resurrection. And what you have to do when you look at his story is say, no one ought to be able to go through what he went through and still be alive. Nobody ought to be beaten and hurt and wounded and stabbed and whipped and uh, nailed to a cross and hanging there for days and dehydrated. Nobody ought to be able to do that and die and then come back from the dead. But he did. And so today we're starting this series called I Shouldn't Be Alive. And what I've really been fascinated with as I've studied this is what, what does it mean that Jesus came back from the dead? What, what does it matter? What, what's the implications? What's the application? How does it relate to our life today? I mean, this is just this old story, but really happened. What does it matter now? And so what we're going to look at in this whole series this month is what does it matter now? So what does resurrection mean? I'm going to give you one scripture today, Romans 8, 11. And we're going to talk about how it, who it would apply to. Romans 8, 11 says, And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who lives in you. So resurrection means, and here's what I want you to sort of take away with you today. Resurrection means the same power that entered that tomb and brought Jesus' dead body back to life is available to you and I this very day. The same power is available. The same power is here. The same force that we might not understand that make th makes things that shouldn't happen actually happen is available. Now, who would that apply to? Let me give you a few groups of people this morning that would apply to. Here's the first one. Uh, those who grew up in a broken family. You know, statistics tell us more and more often that more and more of us are suffering from this one. Now, I'm not just talking about um, if your family, if your parents divorced. Certainly, that creates a brokenness. But I know a lot of people whose parents never divorced, but they grew up in a broken family. And that brokenness echoes throughout our life. And so, here we are, years and years and years have gone by, but those memories and those scars... Uh, won't go away. I, I know it's a little sensitive on a holiday weekend to jump right off into, you know, uh, what kind of childhood or family maybe you had, but I'm just going to tell you after uh, 20 years of ministry, I've ran into way too many people who've struggled with this. Uh, and, and you can even see sometimes the cycle repeat itself from one generation to another generation to another generation, and it just keeps going on and on and on. And it's more common than ever for people to grow up in families with anger and shame and rejection and abuse and controlling patterns. And the truth is, uh, 
nobody's going to get over those things or heal on accident. Like, like recovery and a healthy marriage and a healthy family and, and a, a strong future and an a, a appropriate way of relating to other people, having those strong relationships that we all crave, none of that stuff's going to happen on accident. So, some, some of us have more to overcome to get there than others of us. And so on Easter, I just want to remind you that Jesus would say this to you, don't give up and don't despair. I bet if God could bring Jesus' dead body out of that grave, He could help you overcome the things that have been done to you or the environment that you were raised in, and you'll be able to flourish in a way that people will look at your life and say, now after going through all that, you shouldn't be able to do this. But you can, because that same power is available. But you have to take a step of faith. You have to reach out. You have to make your spiritual life an absolute priority. You need to maybe even seek people out who can help pray for you and pray with you for inner healing. And we have people in our church that could do that. Uh, Along the way, you might even need to sit down with a good Christian counselor and talk to somebody. Now, I know everybody's hair on their neck stands up. You know, how did we get to Easter celebration? Now we're talking about going to counseling. How did that happen? Uh, Well, I know that might be uh, intimidating or um, frustrating or or maybe a little, leave you a little weary. Uh, My wife and I, uh, man, when we went through Hurricane Katrina, we were pastoring a church that Hurricane Katrina struck it straight on. And in the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina, uh, man, I'm telling you, people's life, you can recover seven days a week. Seven days a week we worked. We worked on adrenaline. We worked trying to get everything back together. And hundreds of thousands of people around us were going through the same thing. Grieving loss and trying to rebuild and trying to rebuild business and trying to rebuild schools and homes and all of this stuff. And what happened was it started to show up in people's life. The suicide rate went up 400%. Drug abuse was off the chart. The divorce rate went through the roof. Uh, Heart attacks and strokes compounded because people's lives were breaking down under the pressure. It's not the storm that kills you, it's the recovery. And, and, and as we were doing everything we could do, working day and night, day and night, trying to, trying to do everything, things started catching up with us from our own life. Neither one of us had a great, uh, uh, neither one of us had a perfect childhood environment. Both of us had broken things in our life that started to show up under the pressure of that, and we got to a point that we got stuck, and we couldn't go. We couldn't go further, and so we sought out. We knew a pastor who was a a, a trained and experienced Christian counselor, and for 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 six or seven months, we went and saw him and sat down and talked, and he helped guide us through some of those broken things. And so why would I show up on Easter and even say that to you? Easter, I'm supposed to be, you know, the best pastor I can be. I'm supposed to be the one that can, that can be the best example. Well, I think that is because I'm also human and I'm not Jesus. And so I think to pull the mask off and say that sometimes you and I need help applying resurrection to our life. We need other people sometimes who can help guide us through that process. And I can just tell you, an enormous amount of healing came into our life through that time. Now, when I say counselor, I don't want you to be afraid, kind of like the fella I heard about who called a psychiatric, not a psychic, but a psychiatric hotline. 
When you call in, you get an automated voice message that says, if you're obsessive compulsive, please press 1 repeatedly. If you're codependent, please ask someone else to press 2. Multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, and 6. Paranoid delusional, we know who you are, and we're tracing the call. Schizophrenic, listen carefully, and a little voice will tell you what number to press. Manic depressive, it doesn't matter what number you press, nobody's going to help you. Now, that's not a lot of help, is it? Uh, Some of you might be laughing a little nervously this morning because some of what I'm saying is a little close to home. There's another kind of person that I think that Jesus' death and resurrection, his his shouldn't be aliveness, applies to, and it's those who who are in need of a a healing. You know, for some of you today, um, you may need healing over a loss. For some of you, maybe this is the first Easter you spend, you know, on the other side of divorce or the first... Easter you spend um, without a loved one. Maybe the first Easter you spend having lost a, a, a long-term job or a certain lifestyle or um, having lost something. And maybe your health has changed dramatically and this is a whole other day for you. And, uh, you know, you may be wondering if life will ever be the same again. Now, I just want to ask you a question this morning. What's your plan? Because if you do nothing, uh, it's almost certain to get worse. But the Bible reminds us this morning that there is a loving God who cares about you more than you know. And he's a loving father whose arms are reaching out to you before you first even thought of him. And he's waiting and calling to you to heal. And I want you to hear it again this Easter Sunday morning. The same power that brought Jesus back from the grave can is available to you and can help you to get over and to heal and to recover and live again. And so Tuesday night, we've got a group in our church called Grief Share that helps people uh, when they lose a loved one. It's in the bulletin. You can see it. All the contact information is there. Nearly 100 people have gone through one of our groups. And those groups meet every week for a short time. They talk. Uh, they're encouraged and you would be amazed the healing that's happened in those groups when people come to terms with something they've lost now here's uh, just two more groups that resurrection applies to those crippled by a destructive secret habit now the truth is and statistics tell us it's true that there are people in this room who are in desperate need because there's a secret habit or a destructive pattern going on in your life that you just can't seem to shake. Uh, Maybe a few people know about it. Maybe nobody knows about it. But it's there. It's behind the curtain. You you may be a Christian. You may be a believer. You may be, you know, somebody important in this church. You might be whatever. You, You may be a guest. You may not be a believer. But statistics tell us that people all over our culture today are struggling from those secret patterns and habits that take place behind the scenes. Several years ago, a scientist did a study on a group of uh, uh, monkeys uh, trying to understand the power of addiction. And so there was a little lever that the little monkey would pull. And when he pulled the lever, a little hit of cocaine would come out and the monkey would take it. And as the study went on, uh, every monkey that they tried this with, uh, they would give them an unlimited amount of cocaine. So in other words... As many times as you pulled the lever, cocaine would come out every time. 
And in 100% of the cases, every one of the little monkeys kept taking the hit until it killed them. They killed themselves. They overdosed and killed themselves. That's the power of addiction. But what I found more fascinating than that in the study was that when a monkey would become addicted to cocaine, and then all of a sudden the scientist would remove the cocaine from the little uh, shelf. The monkey would pull the lever even though nothing was coming out because he was addicted and he would want to take the next shot. How many times do you think that monkey, because of his addiction, would pull that little lever even though nothing was coming out? Try 12,800 times consecutively. I gotta have it, I gotta have it, I gotta have it, I gotta have it, I gotta have it. And, and that's the power of addictions. Addictions are powerful things, and alcohol and drugs and synthetic drugs and prescription drugs and pornography and food and gambling and compulsions of all kind. And, and to those of you who've ever felt the prison of addiction, you know how much, how much power is there. But I just wanted to come on Easter and remind you today of something. The very same power that broke death off of Jesus can break that pattern off of you. The very same power, Romans 8.11 says, the very same power that brought Christ back out of the grave is alive in your mortal body. I'm so glad it didn't just say in my spirit, but is working inside you, can work inside you. But you have to believe. You have to reach out. You have to grab a hold to it. There's one last uh, group I want to talk about this morning. And that's just simply those, I would say, who've got a course, case of the ordinaries. This is a group that we usually overlook at a time like this. Or a case of the blah. You ever had the blah? It's a case of the blah. It's a case of the ordinaries. So maybe you're sitting here this morning and you say, you know... No giant tragedies, no, no big problems, had a pretty good uh, childhood overall, I'm not really addicted to nothing, uh, so far you're not talking to me. Well, maybe sort of a long time ago, you've lived an average life and you've kind of given up on it being anything but ordinary. You know, most of us figure out pretty early in life that we're not going to find the cure to cancer, we're not going to end world hunger, or we're not going to save the rainforest, or we're not going to you know, uh, generate world peace. Uh, these are good people who vote and pay their taxes and uh, work hard, but their dreams have just sort of dissolved in front of them. Just after Jesus' resurrection, he stood before a group just like that, and he said something to them that revolutionized, uh, revolutionized their life. He said, soon the power of the Holy Spirit will come on you, and you will become my witnesses of my transforming power on the earth. And that little group of guys should not have ever taken Jesus' message around the world. But they did. They shouldn't have been able to be pivotal figures in history that spread the gospel all over the earth. But they were. And they were because the same power that brought Jesus back out of the grave was available to them. And they believed it. 
and it changed their life. So deep inside your soul this morning, I just want to share something with you. You have dreams and you have talents and you have gifts and you have skill and experience buried deep inside you. And the same power that brought Jesus back from the dead can bring those things to the surface in your life. He can resurrect passion and purpose and you can be part of changing somebody else's life. And by the way, you and I are in this very room this morning on Easter Sunday because of those guys. Those guys with the case of the ordinaries. Just average people, fishermen and normal guys who walked the earth and did normal things and had never anything probably exciting even happen in their village their whole life until they grabbed hold of resurrection. So I'm going to ask the uh, worship team to join me this morning. And I want you to know today that that same power is available to you. And you know what? It might just not be long before somebody's looking at your life and saying, you know what? He shouldn't have made it through that, but he did. She shouldn't have a good marriage today because I knew her as a child. And boy, uh, we live down the street from their family. They, she shouldn't have a good marriage, but she does. After what they went through in their childhood, how can they have a normal life now? After that loss, man, if I, if I went through that, people might look at you and say, I don't think I could make it, but you're going to make it. Because the same power that brought Jesus back from the grave is available to you and I today. Maybe it won't be long before somebody will look at you and say, how can just an average person make such a difference? Because the same power is available today. Jesus' resurrection makes things that shouldn't happen, happen. So what does the resurrection mean? It, it, it means just that. Things that shouldn't, shouldn't be happening like helium in a balloon and a magnet and dead people walking around and sick people healed and broken people whole and normal, average, everyday common people making a big difference. That's, that's what resurrection does. It's not just a day. It's not just a celebration. It's not just a moment. It's a life. And that's what resurrection does. So this morning, I want to pray with you. And we've talked about really some of the longings of the human heart. And I want you to take the card out that I gave you and look at it with me. You know, we've talked about multiple longings, but the truth is um, the answer to all of them is Jesus. The answer to all of them is the same power that brought Jesus back is available. It's available. Not for me to control, not for me to own, not for me to have, but for it to change me. Because it's motivated by God's love. It's not just an innate, intangible source that I can grab and harness it to do what I want. No, no. God owns the power. And it does what He wants it to do. And it's motivated by a heart of love from God who wants to set us free and change our life and put us in relationship with Him. So maybe there are people here this morning... Uh, your deal is you shouldn't have a, a relationship with Jesus, but you can. Nobody should, but we all can. So I just want you to look at the card today, and if you'll look at under the area that says mark all that apply, 
Maybe you're new today and you can mark that. And Maybe you want to make a decision this morning. Let me just take a minute and tell you what that's like. What does it mean to make a decision to follow Jesus? What does it mean? What does it mean to start a relationship with Jesus? What does that mean? It means that you have to make a move. You have to make a choice. You have to, you have to respond. You have to do something. And so today, I'm going to ask you to do that. The, the, um, the Christian word we use for that is uh, repent. We turn away and we turn toward God. It usually involves letting something go. Because as we come to God, we come with our hands full. And God says, let go. And so it usually involves letting something go. And then it also involves making a commitment. Committing your life to God. Committing your life to Jesus. And so here's what I simply want you to do this morning. I just want you to look at the card and... I want you to fill it out. And if you're ready to make that decision today, I just want you to check that box. And maybe you're like the one below, I'm not ready to make that decision, but pray for me. Check that box. And we're going to do that. So here's what I want you to do. When you're done filling your card out, the way I'll know that you're done is I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head in prayer. When When you're done... I just want you to close your eyes and bow your head. And when I see you, when I see you with your eyes closed, I'll know that you're done. And if, if you haven't filled the card out, you can go ahead and close your eyes. I just want to pray with you this morning, right where you are. And would you just say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you today for the power of God that overcomes every broken part of my life. Lord, I make a decision to follow you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to wash away all of my sin. I ask you to heal my brokenness. I ask you to forgive me and give me a new life. It's a very special moment right now and I I just want to thank you, Jesus, for the people that you're ministering to and meeting and the people who are making that decision right now. God, we love you today, and we ask you for help as we reach out and grab hold of that power that is changing our life. In Jesus' name. that wonderful some of you made a decision to begin a relationship with Jesus just then we want to congratulate you want to celebrate that with you it reminds me of of several years ago around this season of the year around Easter when I was a young adult and I made the same decision myself that's been the best thing I've ever done I congratulate you and we want to celebrate with you in a few minutes we're going to tell you more about how we can do that but at this time we want to receive our Sunday morning offering. Kingwood regulars, this is your chance to give your tithe and offering and missions pledges. And we're going to pass out offering envelopes. Our ushers are coming down the rows right now. And those offering envelopes can be used for anything like registration for online giving or a change of address. Or if you're giving a cash 
offering, just look over at the ushers and wave at them or give them a nod, and they'll give you an offering envelope for the cash offering or to change in the information. And once again, Pastor Jay talked about the response card. <clears throat> if you would, here's what you can do with a response card. When the offering comes by in a few minutes, you can drop it in there in the offering bag or when you leave every exit you'll see a table and our worship team has prepared a professionally done worship CD and if you're new to Kingwood we'd love for you to go by there you can drop off your card at that table in, a, in an Easter basket and pick up a CD there or if you drop off your response card in the bag just go by and get your CD if you're new to Kingwood and we thank you for coming let's pray for our offering our ushers are coming and getting ready to receive right now Thank you for coming. Thank you for choosing to worship with us today on this wonderful Easter Sunday. The Lord is good. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for your tremendous and many, many blessings in our life. Lord, we thank, we thank you that we live in this country, that we can worship on Sunday. Lord, we thank you for taking care of us in ways sometimes when we don't even know how you've taken care of us, Lord. I pray now that you would bless this offering, that you would receive this offering, that it could be used to build the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen. follow Jesus, but the truth is today, um, you needed someone to pray with you about some of the things we talked about, about family, about those patterns, about um, healing over a loss. Jesus did something in your heart, and I just want to say to you, when you, when you bring that to Him in prayer, things will begin to change. And so... What I'm going to do is just, in just a second, I'm just going to dismiss you. But our worship team is here and our prayer team is here. And, and I know maybe on an Easter Sunday, you don't know most of the people here. Uh, and, and you just wouldn't be comfortable of responding any other way. But as we dismiss, if you want someone to agree with you in prayer, if you want someone to pray for you or with you, this team is ready. Uh, and they've already been praying this morning. So, Lord, we thank you today for resurrection. We thank you for the power of God that brought Jesus back from the grave. We celebrate today, and we thank you for your power that is at work in us now as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great Easter.